It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, bunch of podcasts. Glad to have you aboard, hopefully for the entire 2022 NFL season. I don't believe there's a better podcast out there that just gives you the relevant fantasy info that you need, whether it's season long or DFS. My guy, Joe Dolan, has the answers ahead of time. We don't talk about every player we don't talk about every single thing. We talk about the questions that are actually out there. Like, what do we think of this guy, this team? Not, ooh, do you think that uh, Patrick Mahomes will be pretty good this year? No, like we talk about the stuff that are actually question marks, specific matchups to get you ready. I am Ross Tucker, and you can check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Check us out at Ross Tucker Pod because at Ross Tucker Pod, We'll be giving away a free Madden code very shortly. Not me at Ross Tucker NFL. It'll be at Ross Tucker Pod. So follow that handle, Twitter and Instagram. Check out Joe at FG underscore Dolan. He is, of course, the fantasy gangster. He is the master of all he oversees at fantasypoints.com. Speaking of overseeing, you can check us out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. When you go to fantasypoints.com, because you will, or at least you should, use the code 22FEAST. Joe, you are not wearing a hat, and I'm a little bit weirded out about about it. Well, I just got a fresh fade, Ross, so you got to you gotta <laughs> show it off right now. Uh, uh, I don't know. Just mix things up. It's week number one. How are you? I am doing awesome. I am so fired up. For tomorrow night's game. Remember this podcast, by the way. <clears throat> During the season, two episodes. Because we try to make them all highly digestible, around 30-minute increments. We do on Wednesday. Right away, we release the Thursday nighter and all the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Then we record another episode that has Sunday late games, Sunday nighter, Monday nighter. And they are both around 30 minutes, one maybe a little bit longer, one maybe a little bit shorter, but easily digestible for you to listen while you're commuting, while you're working, while you're doing whatever to get ready for fantasy football. We do it on Wednesdays. Some people do it earlier. Some people do it later. We do it on Wednesdays, kind of the sweet spot in the middle where we have some information, maybe not as much as we want, but we also don't want to wait till Friday either. Joe, let's just start with Thursday night. I mean, let's not mess around here. People aren't here to hear you and I banner back and forth. They're here to get your insight. What do we need to know about the Bills and the Rams? Bills on the road. Uh, this opened at one. Uh, they are now two and a half point favorites. The over-under is 52. That makes it one of the highest projected totals uh, of the entire weekend, as you might anticipate with the Bills and the Rams. Um Obviously, we've got the defending Super Bowl champions going up against this year's Super Bowl favorites. Uh, going to be a fantastic game. Bills laying at home, uh, laying on the road, by the way, uh, which is interesting. Now, 
the I think some of the keys here are going to be injuries. And the, the big one, the big story is Matthew Stafford. The Rams managed his offseason snaps all, uh, all August because of an elbow injury that they described as a baseball thing. They are not concerned about it. They're saying there's no limitations for Matthew Stafford, but it is something that we are going to eyeball until we get like confirmation that Stafford's out there and playing him. He's going to be sight unseen on Thursday. The Rams beat reporters did say he looked good in the throwing sessions he had in practices this summer. Obviously you got Cooper cup and Allen Robinson's joining this team and they are likely not going to have number three wide receiver Van Jefferson, who's recovering from an August knee procedure. So the way I look at this is Cooper cup, Allen Robinson against a Bills defense that does not have Tredavious White. Um, They are going to have two rookie corners in the rotation. Obviously, Kair Irlum, their first-round pick, but also Christian Benford, who was their uh, sixth-round pick out of Villanova, Ross. Uh, He's going to be in the rotation um, alongside uh, 2027th-round pick Dane Jackson. So Buffalo could be a little bit exploitable on the back end without Tredavious White. Allen Robinson is standing out as an interesting play for me this week as he gets to play really with a good quarterback for the first time in his career. And I'm, I'm dating that back to college. So Allen Robinson has really had um, it, it bad. He is going to be excited to play with, uh, with Matthew Stafford. Now, the thing I am watching in the backfield, of course, is how healthy this Cam Akers look. Sean McVay has been a guy who has used a bell cow. Now, sometimes it's not always the same bell cow, as we, as we saw, remember last week you were surprised with some of the Sony Michelle numbers that I brought up from the end of last yes. season. But he uses a bell cap. Does that change? He was talking up both Akers and Daryl Henderson this offseason, saying, oh, we could use them both. I'm a little skeptical of that. So I really want to see what this backfield looks like until I see it. Akers is a flex to me, as is Daryl Henderson. Um, and I'm open, I'm willing to change my mind. That is one thing about week one, Ross. I cannot sit here and give you definitive information. This is a kind of a week where, like, I'm not going to be getting too cute with my lineups. If I drafted a guy to be my running back, too, I'm probably going to play him as my running back, too. But there are going to be some situations that we need clarification on, and we're not going to get it until we see these games played. The Rams' backfield is one of those situations. By the way, just one more name to throw out there. Keep an eye on Tyler Higby, the tight end. He's somebody who has burned people in the past, but they're thin at receiver beyond the top two, and I had heard good things about Tyler Higby coming out of Rams game. Ooh, Joe's heard good things. I like it. Buffalo on the other side, Joe? Uh, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis are musts. Um, you drafted them to play, so you're going to play them. Um, Josh Allen, of course, is – I mean, you can make him QB1 any week, and I wouldn't argue with it. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is the the guy who um, was getting a lot of camp buzz. He missed, like, the last 10 days or so with a groin injury. It looks like he's going to play. He's practicing in full. He's more of a wide receiver four, wide receiver five for me. But if you think this is a potential high-scoring game, maybe you're in a deeper league, I think Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that you could consider. Devin Singletary is the lead back until proven otherwise. Remember, he, he had big numbers down the stretch. But they drafted James Cook for a reason. They drafted James Cook because they want a running back who can catch the football here. Remember, they tried to sign Isaiah, uh, J.D. McKissick in the offseason. So I want to see James Cook's role. He's not playable for fantasy just yet, though. Let's move on to the Sunday 1 o'clock slate. Speaking of teams with some unknown, how about New Orleans at Atlanta, Joe? Very curious, as are a lot of people, to see what we get out of Michael Thomas. 
Yeah, so New Orleans laying five and a half on the road, 42 is the total, so a projected low-scoring game. Michael Thomas is a wide receiver three for me, but it looks like he's going to go. For the Saints, obviously Alvin Kamara is somebody who's in your lineup. The, The one thing I'm really watching this week, what is the Saints wide receiver rotation when they have two wide receivers on the field? Because if you have two wide receivers on the field, I think a lot of the expectation is, oh, that's a good run formation. Well, Jarvis Landry is a really good run blocker. Ross, Chris Olave is a lot of things, and he's got explosive ability. Not exactly fond of contact, let's put it that way, when it comes to Chris Olave. I'm interested to see what their two wide receiver sets, because... They traded a fir- they traded up for Chris Olave. They didn't trade up for Chris Olave for him to play 25 snaps. So that that is really the rotation that I'm going to be watching. I'm not putting Olave or Jarvis Landry. You know, when I talk when I talk like that, I'm usually saying 12 team, three wide receiver kind of league. Okay, that that's kind of the baseline. I don't think it's time to put Olave uh, in a lineup just yet. But I will play Michael Thomas as a wide receiver three. Jameis in a low scoring game on the road mediocre quarterback streamer this week. Um, and that's, I also want to see Taysom Hill's role because they, they say he's a tight end. He's going to catch more passes this year. I don't know. I still feel like in the red zone, he can be the Wildcat quarterback. So Taysom Hill is somebody I'll be watching uh, as well for the New Orleans Saints. But really for now, it's keep an eye on Chris Olave's role. Um, and then it, it's Michael Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara. And I really want to see Michael Thomas who hasn't scored a regular season touchdown since December of 2019. Wow. All right, Atlanta, your guess is as good as mine, Joe. I mean, obviously, we expect big things from Kyle Pitts, but talk to me about the backfield, the receivers. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, uh, Drake London, the rookie first-round pick, had had not practiced since August 12th, which was their preseason opener um, against the Lions when he hurt his knee. He is back at practice. I'm a little skeptical, though, about him going up against Marshawn Lattimore uh, in week one, this New Orleans Saints defense. So he's probably a guy I'm going to wait and see on if he should. There's plenty of opportunity here. I'm not saying you, you don't have Drake London on your rosters, but probably a guy I'd rather wait and see on. You know Kyle Pitts is in your lineup. He's really the only sure thing uh, from the Atlanta Falcons. Now here is a situation to watch. Scott Baer of the Falcons' official website wrote this week about the backfield, quote, I'm still curious how much Cordero Patterson takes conventional running back carries this season versus how much they move him around the formation. Damian Williams will factor heavily into the run game, and I think Tyler Algier plays a significant role in his rookie season. Everybody will have their role with short yardage options and quality receivers out of the backfield. Patterson, however, has been on his own ramp-up plan. We haven't seen a ton of him even in open practices, so it's tough to get a gauge on how he'll be used in 2022. So to me, it looks like they have a plan to use uh, Cordero Patterson as kind of a wide back, much like the the 49ers used Debo, and less as the traditional running back that he was last year when he wore down a little bit. And it sounds like there's been a little bit of a drumbeat from Falcons practices. Damian Williams could open the season as their number one running back. Here is the issue. This is a bad football team that's nearly a touchdown underdog at home. A three-man backfield rotation on a bad football team that's catching five and a half points in their home stadium is really not the kind of backfield that is conducive to fantasy success. But if you ask me if you need to play one of those guys, it's Patterson until further notice. 
Very interesting, Joe. Um, yeah, we'll see. I I still think they're going to use Patterson a lot. And I actually think Algier, there's a lot of people, was it Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast thought that Algier might be their starting running back this year? Um, yeah, he. Um, I think he'll lead them in carries. I just don't know if he'll do it in week one. And then the question becomes, Ross, if this team wins five games like everybody expects them to, how much does 200 carries even matter? Because they have two better pass catchers back there in Patterson and Damian Williams. What about Cleveland at Carolina in the Baker Mayfield Bowl, Joe? Uh, Cleveland opened as three-and-a-half-point favorites for this game. This has moved all the way to Carolina being favored by a point-and-a-half over under 41-and-a-half, so a, obviously a uh, not expected to be a very high-scoring game. The Baker Mayfield revenge game, though, factor has Carolina favored, and i got to be honest, this you already have a, a, a betting podcast uh, with Fezzik. I kind of like Carolina in this game. Baker getting a little juice. He's getting fired up, um, but he's not really a fantasy option. Carolina is, is so simple right now, Ross. We love these simple fantasy teams. There are two, there are two guys you can consider in a one-quarterback league from the Carolina Panthers, and they are must-starts. Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. The analysis on Christian McCaffrey is simple. If he stays healthy this year, you're going to make the playoffs in your fantasy league. He was the easiest player for me to analyze all offseason. The the only question about Christian McCaffrey was, were you a bad enough dude? Were you willing to take the risk to draft Christian McCaffrey? If you were, you start him, you accept the risk of drafting Christian McCaffrey. If he's healthy, he's going to win you your league. He's going to win you a lot of fantasy matchups. With Carolina favored in this game, 25 touches is on the docket for Christian McCaffrey. Ooh, um, that's pretty. That's pretty juicy. What about somebody asked me in Cleveland yesterday? Would I rather for the season have McCaffrey or have Chubb and Hunt? What do you think about Cleveland offensively? So the problem with the Browns offensively is that when both guys were healthy towards the beginning of last year, Kareem Hunt was actually outscoring Nick Chubb, and that's because they prefer him as a receiver. And as good as Kareem Hunt is, I. I really think because of fantasy, in a way, we un- this is it's, it's really one of the weird situations because I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, those in fantasy overrate running backs because of how important running backs are in fantasy football. I think with Cleveland, I think we underrate Nick Chubb because of fantasy football because he has these spike weeks, but he doesn't catch a lot of passes. And the Browns have been kind of an up-and-down team ever since he's been there and since they've gotten Kareem Hunt. That guy, to me, is like the best runner in football. Now, I think Nick Chubb is an RB2, and I think Kareem Hunt's a flex in this game. And I think that because I think Jacoby Brissett's job is to turn around, hand the ball off to Chubb, dump it down to Hunt, and don't turn the football over. That's it. The only wide receiver you can even consider from Cleveland is Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to start. I'm interested to see what David Bell's role is. Um, if you're streaming your tight ends, maybe you punted tight end in your fantasy draft. I'm one of those people. I did it in a 14-team league this week. Um, uh, David Njoku is on the fantasy radar, but I am not at all excited about this passing game in a low-scoring environment with Jacoby Brissett pulling the trigger. What about the Niners at the Bears? Trey Lance makes his debut with Jimmy G over his shoulder. Talked about that a lot today with Albert Breer on the Ross Tucker football podcast. So you have Carolina, excuse me, San Francisco on the road, 
favored by a touchdown with a 41-point total. That screams to me, get Elijah Mitchell in your lineups. Now, I do want to see what their backfield rotation looks like. Jeff Wilson's expected to be the two. But in a low-scoring environment, a touchdown favorite, Trey Lance at quarterback, this is an Elijah Mitchell spot for San Francisco. And I would expect uh, DFS players are going to be all over that. Now, Debo Samuel produced numbers in the two games that Trey Lance started last year, but it was really on big plays. It wasn't... It wasn't on, you know, he wasn't catching like 11 passes. No, it was big plays, and that's what Trey Lance gives this offense. You drafted Debo Samuel in the second round. You're playing Debo Samuel. I think Trey Lance is a QB1 because, as we know, with running backs like with quarterbacks like this who can run, they don't even need to play well to pay off for fantasy. So Trey Lance is a QB1 for me, but obviously this is a very tenuous situation. He's got weapons. He's got a solid offensive line. You got Ayuk, who's a wide receiver three for me. You got Kittle, who you got to play if you drafted Kittle. Trey Lance has got to put up some numbers against a, a Chicago team that does not have a whole lot of talent on either side of the football. It's actually a pretty good spot for him. He's on the road, so there's not that home crowd pressure. They're favored, so they should be able to insulate him with the run game a little bit. But he's got to make good decisions and make good plays in this game. We'll see about that. Uh or we'll be talking here in a couple of weeks about when they're going to bench Trey Lance for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I drafted him to be a QB1 because of his rushing ability. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing threw a whole threw a wrench into the entire situation, but I'm still playing Trey Lance. That's what I drafted him to do. Are you drafting and playing anybody for the Bears? I mean, even David Montgomery doesn't seem safe, Joe. No, Montgomery doesn't seem safe. He's, he's a flex for me because I want to see Khalil Herbert's role. I'm not exactly psyched up to play Justin Fields against this 49er defense behind that offensive line. The one guy who from, well, there's two guys from Chicago who I think number one, Darnell Mooney, um, strong wide receiver two type of guy. Um, Cause he's really going to dominate the targets here. And then a, a, a Cole Komet, the tight end, uh, who's the number two target here. Maybe Bayless Jones comes out and surprises us. St. Brown, Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, who didn't practice all August. Forget about it. It's it's Cole Komet to me, who I think is on the tight end one radar. Justin Fields, I'm waiting for. Uh, though he does have those those skills that we look for from fantasy quarterback, I'm waiting for another week before I put him out there. I don't like him against San Francisco as a seven point underdog. The Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky go into Cincinnati. We know a lot about Cincinnati's fantasy guys. We got that. What about Pittsburgh with Trubisky at quarterback, Joe? Pittsburgh catching six and a half, 44 and a half the total. So kind of a medium total, big line here, six and a half here, uh, uh, nearly a full touchdown. You know, I'm, I'm Pittsburgh was a team that I was drafting this offseason with the expectation that Trubisky and or Kenny Pickett could actually be an upgrade on what Ben Roethlisberger did last year. Ben Ro- he had a noodle arm. That offense was so constricted. They couldn't go downfield. It was awful. The question, though, is are they going to play the same style? Because Ben threw it to his guys. You know, you knew Deontay Johnson was good for 10 targets a week. You knew Pat Fryermuth was good for a couple of targets in the red zone a week. And you knew Najee Harris was going to catch those dump downs. Is that going to be the case with Trubisky? I'm not... sure of that. So I'm a little less bullish on Deontay than I would have been last year. 
I really want to see. And, and it's not – I think because they're, they're touchdown underdogs in deeper leagues, you could throw George Pickens into a lineup. I really want to know what his role is because I think he – I think they're going to use him ahead of Chase Claypool. And I think he could get targets in this game. And I think he's a potential rookie of the year candidate. So I am bullish on George Pickens. Najee Harris is in your lineup. Mike Tomlin has always used a bell cow. That has been his MO since he entered the uh, NFL. I don't expect that to change. One thing I will note, though, if you are the handcuffing type, the Steelers did release their official depth chart. And while we can't always glean a whole lot of information from an official depth chart, Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie running back at Oklahoma State, who has good short area burst, is a little undersized, but he has good short area burst, is officially the number two running back on that depth chart. So he's got a lot more juice than Benny Snell. Uh, so he's the guy I would be keeping an eye on. See if maybe he gets a couple of touches in this game. I'm excited to watch Pittsburgh, but I got to be honest, I can't sit here and confidently say, oh man, I think Deontay Johnson's going to get 15 targets. It, it's a whole new world. Ross, I've been in this industry since 2008, um, I've been in the fantasy. I, I've been covering the NFL since 2008. I've been in the fantasy industry since 2009. In every one of those seasons, Ben Roethlisberger was the Steelers quarterback. We are in uncharted waters right now. <laughs> That's funny to think about. What about the Bengals? We know their guys. Oh yeah. What is it's, there to, what is there to it, discuss? But Burrow. There's one guy I want to discuss. So Burrow. Chase, Higgins, Mixon are locks for your week one lineup. I don't care what league you're in, they're locks. Um, Tyler Boyd is a viable kind of wide receiver three type. You know, he he was the guy who really got hurt by the addition of, of Jamar Chase last year. But you know what Tyler Boyd is as a PPR guy. The one guy I'm keeping an eye on that we've talked about a lot of these streaming tight ends, if you punt at tight end, good, good, good uh, words about Hayden Hurst coming out of camp. Probably going to be a guy who, at best, replicates what C.J. Uzama did last year. But at the end of last season and in the playoffs, Uzama was a viable fantasy guy. Next up, it's the Eagles at the Lions, Joe. Uh, 48 and a half. This total has gone up. The Eagles are laying four on the road. This is a weird spot for me. Because the Eagles are getting all this hype. And, we, Ross, you know this roster's good. It's young. It's talented. It's got, it's got it all. The Eagles whipped the Lions' ass last year in Detroit. Dan Campbell is going to remember that. They crushed them. That was, like, that was the game when they really started to change what they were philosophically and just ran roughshod on the Lions. So I think the Eagles could get off on a little bit slower foot than many anticipate. That being said... Jalen Hurts has the potential to be the overall quarterback one. He was the overall quarterback two when he got hurt last year with the high ankle sprain. He's going to be very popular. This game has a big total of 48 and a half. The Eagles are favored. And it doesn't even matter if the Eagles are favored because, A, number one, they're going to want to throw to get ahead in this game. But you know Jalen Hurts can score rushing touchdowns. So he's going to be very popular for DFS. The backfield is one I'm probably shying away from for now. We didn't see Miles Sanders basically all of August. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott are listed as the co-number two backs on the Eagles official depth chart. I'm shying away from that. You're playing A.J. Brown uh, against the Lions secondary that I think is exploitable. Devontae Smith is a strong wide receiver three. And I could not. Like, I, you could have gotten a, a shovel that could a jackhammer to get you into the middle of the earth to look for a negative word said about Dallas Goddard 
this offseason, and you wouldn't find one. <laughs> I've heard nothing but amazing things about Goddard. So he is definitely a tight end one uh, for me. The backfield is really the one I'll be watching, but I prefer to shy away from it from a fantasy perspective in the week. What about Joe the Lions? Who do we need to know about there? So I'm concerned for one reason here. Because, um, you know, Jared Goff, when he gets time, he can deliver an accurate football. Now here's the problem. The Eagles have seriously upgraded their secondary with James Bradbury and uh, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson on the back end, um, which – and obviously the Lions will not have Jamison Williams. Now apparently Goff had good chemistry with D.J. Chark uh, this offseason. I'm not so sure that there's going to be a whole lot of deep passing available against Philadelphia – but that does mean TJ Hawkinson, the Eagles did give up the most fantasy points to tight ends last year. Um, TJ Hawkinson and Amon Ross St. Brown in the short area are going to feast, I think. I think that's where the Eagles will be willing to concede throws to Jared Goff. The big area of concern I have for the Lions, and Ross, you did rank their offensive line as one of the five best in the NFL when we discussed it. They had to put Halapulavati Vitae, the right guard, on IR. And they're going to have somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of experience stepping in there. I don't think they've named a starter yet, but either Evan Brown, Tommy Kramer is going to be a guy who really, those guys are backups. And Penny Sewell is somebody who I obviously got better as the year went on last year. But I think the Eagles are going to be able, with that too deep defensive line, I think they're going to be able to exploit the right side of the Lions offensive line. That is where this game is going to be won or lost for the Detroit Lions. In my opinion, the right side of the offensive line. Um, De- now, but DeAndre Swift is in your lineup because even if he gets stonewalled at the line of scrimmage, he's somebody who's going to catch passes. And with the Lions as home underdogs in a potential high-scoring environment, as the line says, that is the type of environment where you want your running back to catch passes. And DeAndre Swift is one of the best at it. The Colts are in Houston, Joe. We know about Jonathan Taylor. What about their pass catchers and Matty Ice? Yeah, Matt, Matt, um, Michael Pittman is, is one of my favorite uh, wide receivers this season in general. Matt Ryan has supported a top 12 wide receiver in PPR fantasy points per game in 13 of his 14 NFL seasons. It's going to be 14 of 15 after this year when Michael Pittman does it. That's my official call. Watch the rotation alongside Michael Pittman. A lot of great stuff said about Alec Pierce, the second-round wide receiver out of Cincinnati, getting a lot of hype from this offseason, but really not somebody I'm excited to play at this point, nor is Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's going to be a great caretaker of this offense, but I'm not 100% sure at this stage of his career that he's really a fantasy guy. It's Jonathan Taylor and it's Michael Pittman. Those two guys are locks for your lineup. Keep an eye on everybody else. So Naeem I'm, Hines, by the way. Naeem Hines is one of the guys I'm, I'm watching because Frank Reich did say that he wants Naeem Hines on his fantasy team this year. So, so let me throw a third guy in there. If you're in a PPR league, maybe 12-team, got a lot of starters, need a flex, Naeem Hines is viable. But the Colts are seven-point favorites, so you know what that means. Jonathan Taylor is going to be the easy chalk on BFS. What about the Texans, Joe? Pretty curious about this group. They got O.J. Howard now. There was a lot of Damian Pierce excitement this summer. So Damian Pierce um, was listed as the Texans' starting running back on their unofficial depth chart. That's the and look, those things are put together by the um, by the PR staff. We know that, but the, the 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 these things also usually under promise on rookies. That is not the case here with Damian Pierce. 
look, it, Ross, if uh, Damian Pierce is the talk of fantasy football, if you shouted out your front window, hey, anybody in the neighborhood, uh, what, what do you hear about Damian Pierce? Somebody's going to shout back, oh, he went the second round of my hometown draft. Yeah, the, the hype's out of control. We need to really watch Damian Pierce, and I think this game is going to give us a heck of a picture on Damian Pierce because the big question is how much he's going to play on passing downs. Rex Burkhead is still there, and he excels in that department. And with the Texans as seven-point home underdogs to the Colts, and they stand to be underdogs in the vast majority of their games this year, Pierce's passing down role is going to be crucial to returning value on that skyrocketing ADP. Um, We have him at Fantasy Points rankings as kind of an RB3 flex until we find out, though I don't begrudge anybody who wants to play him in week one, but we're going to see how much he's going to play on passing downs um, as early as week one because they are seven-point underdogs, which is, again, the kind of scenario where you want your running back to be able to catch passes. So that is exactly what I'm watching from Houston Texans in this game. Let's talk Patriots and Dolphins. This feels like a juicy matchup that maybe is being a little bit underreported yeah dolphins are given a three and a half at home uh, uh, 46 and a half is the total if you've got your dolphins uh, i think two is a viable streaming quarterback although i'm not really excited about him tyree kill is in your lineup jalen waddle is in your lineup i think chase edmonds is a viable flex play uh, at running back i do want to see that backfield rotation shake out however guy i'm staying away from is mike gasicki i'm not sure what kind of a fit he is in this offense because he doesn't really play in line that the, the dolphins i want to see what the offense looks like but you drafted tyree kill and jalen Waddle to be starters for your fantasy team those guys coming off 100 catch seasons and i know they're it's a new offense for both of them but I'm not worried about it. I'm getting both of those guys out there. Tua, I think, is a viable, maybe a little bit of an under-the-radar DFS play as well if you want to stay away from some of the chalk, like maybe Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tua's got uh, got an opportunity to do so. But Miami is kind of a watch-and-see team for me on the fringes, and that includes the backfield and the tight end situation. What about New England, Joe? So the the guy I'm really watching for New England, first and foremost, I, I don't know how anybody can have any confidence in any of these wide receivers right now with the rotation. At different points of this offseason, heard great things about uh, uh, Devontae Parker, heard great things about Nelson Aguilar, heard great things about Tyquan Thornton, then he gets hurt, and then there's steady Eddie Jacoby Myers, who probably is the, bet, the best bet to lead this team in catches. Now, in the backfield, this is a three-and-a-half-point game, so it's not the kind of environment where you necessarily have to shy away from Damian Harris. But it could be season soon. Dre Day. All the hype for Ramondre Stevenson this offseason. Ty Montgomery's availability is up in the air with an ankle injury. I think Ramondre Stevenson plays on third downs. I think with the Patriots as underdogs in Miami – I think Ramondre Stevenson's the best play on this entire team from a fantasy perspective. Then we get to the Ravens and the Jets. Ravens, as of right now, Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a new contract, Joe. And he might not get one. And there's where there's where some of the, the, the uh, there's no guarantee that Lamar Jackson's a Baltimore Raven next year. So some of these teams that have multiple first round picks are certainly going to be sniffing around these waters. Now for the Baltimore Ravens, there's three guys who are in your lineup. They're in your lineup each and every week. 
Mark Andrews, obviously. Lamar Jackson, obviously. And then I really do think Rashad Bateman has got a great shot to just explode as a receiver. Heard great things about him in this camp and heard great things. Um, our guy Adam Kaplan at Fantasy Points uh, in Sirius XM was at Ravens camp, and he said he thought Lamar was unbelievable throwing the football that day. So I'm b- really bullish on Rashad Bateman, extremely bullish on Bateman. The backfield, I am staying away from it this week. I don't know who's going to play. I don't know who's. Gonna, I don't know if J.K. Dobbins is going to play. I don't know if Dobbins doesn't play. Who leads this backfield? Is it going to be Mike Davis? Is it going to be Kenyon Drake? I, I'm not sure. Baltimore is laying seven on the road, 44 and a half the total. That is a situation where you kind of want to play a running back. The problem is there is a chance if you throw Mike Davis or Kenyon Drake in a lineup, that guy's giving you a zero this week. So it, it's really a situation that I want to stay away from until we have more information. How about the Jets? Looks like it's going to be Flacco. I know they're not ruling out um, uh, Yeah, it's going to be Flacco. Wilson. It's not going to be, be Zach Flacco. Wilson. Um, backfield rotation is one I really uh, – Brees Hall is probably someone I want to take a breath on right now. Um, they are seven-point underdogs, and I wonder if Michael Carter is going to be the preferred guy. If you if you fade this backfield entirely, I'm not going to blame you. Uh, for this week, th- at least, you drafted you drafted Brees Hall to be a guy who's going to start for you at some point, but maybe not this week as seven-point underdogs. I really do like Elijah Moore, though. You know, I think Flacco can keep this offense on schedule. Um, and I think Elijah Moore is going to be the guy who's going to benefit with the most targets. That's a guy who I think might be a solid DFS play this week. Um, I think folks want to stop, stay away from the Jets, and justifiably so. But I think uh, I think Elijah Moore is somebody I'm really interested in from a DFS perspective, with the Jets catching a touchdown at home in this game. Um, but otherwise, really a team that is on the wait-and-see list for me. This is the last game that we're breaking down here in episode one of the Fantasy Feast, Joe. It's the Jaguars at Washington. Doug Peterson semi-revenge game against the quarterback who got him fired, Carson Wentz. So this is going to be an interesting one. I have the Commanders giving two and a half at home with a 43-and-a-half-point total. Now, here's the thing for the Jaguars. Um, James Robinson is going to play in this game. I'm not sure what kind of burst James Robinson is going to show in this game, and I think it'll be evident early on if Travis Etienne is really their best back. If I am playing a running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars, it is going to be Travis Etienne. I am telling you that right now. James Robinson is not a guy... I mean, I, I'm glad he's back, but he was a guy I faded all offseason. I wasn't excited to draft James Robinson at all coming off the uh, Achilles tear. Really two guys stand out to me from uh, from Jacksonville. ETN and Christian Kirk, the guy they gave nearly $100 million to this offseason. Those are the two guys who can be in a lineup against the Commanders in Week 1. I am very excited to see Trevor Lawrence, though, with an actual football coach. That is, that's going to be something that is exciting for me, but not necessarily for fantasy right away. All right, so what about the Commanders with your boy Wentz and obviously no Brian Robinson? No Brian Robinson, obviously. The, I mean, the news has been just phenomenal on Brian Robinson. Let, let's just throw it out there. Like, I, the fact that he might be back in October is staggering to me. He's off crutches, by the way, per Ron Rivera. Just incredible. Uh, best wishes to Brian Robinson. Terry McLaurin's in your lineup. Uh, Wentz will throw the ball downfield to a fault sometimes. 
if I am playing up back here, I'm playing Gibson. And I'm saying, look, hey, it's a shame why you have this opportunity, but it's an opportunity. I think Gibson is the guy with Washington favored who's got the best shot to, to put up some numbers for you. With the rookie wide receiver Dotson, nothing but great things about him. Um, I'm not sure how much you can play him sight unseen in week one, but he is one of the more intriguing rookies with his style of play vis-a-vis Wentz. I think they mesh up pretty well. And one guy to keep an eye on, probably not for this week, but maybe for weeks after this, if Logan Thomas, the tight end, can play in this game, remember he tore his ACL late last season, it is going to be a very interesting situation to monitor for fantasy because Wentz has a predilection for throwing the ball to the tight end, as you well know, from his time in Philadelphia. That'll do it for episode one here of the Fantasy Feast, the show that's so nice. We do it twice. Still got to get to the Sunday late games, the Sunday nighter, and the Monday nighter. Make sure you're following us at FG underscore Dolan, at Ross Tucker NFL, and at Ross Tucker Pod, so you know when both episodes are posted. Plenty of room for dessert. The appetizer and the main dish was excellent. He's Joe. I'm Ross. Make sure you download tomorrow's episode as well. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.